The years leading up to and during menopause are a rite of passage. The wise woman inside of us is calling to slow down, to take stock, to speak our truth, to burn away all that no longer serves us, ready for our next cycle of life. The good news is with the support, community, connection, and most of all, sharing our stories and being truly seen and heard, we will travel through this powerful, sometimes painful, heroine's journey and out the other side. Welcome to the Menopause Podcast, real and raw stories of midlife and mental health. I'm your host, Kylie Patchett, menopause self-care coach and storyteller, and I am so glad you found us. Let's get on with the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the podcast. I'm very excited today because it is World Menopause Day and I'm speaking to Thea Baker. Hi, Thea. How are you? I am really good, thanks. Ah, We just both realised it was meant menopause day today and I'm thinking this is a perfect day to dive in to chat with you because we have had a pre-chat and I made so many notes that I reckon we could do like a whole series with you. So (laughs) for those of you, uh, the listeners that don't already know you and what you do in the world, can you introduce yourself please? Yeah, sure. So I am a practicing psychotherapist and I work in, uh, well, I work physically in Melbourne. Um, Uh, but I practice mostly with women who um, have experienced some kind of trauma. And that's a really broad spectrum of women. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, I'm, I also, in my spare time, uh, which of which there is literally none, yeah, I'm doing right. a PhD at the moment. And yes. I'm, um, my PhD is, was inspired by work that I have done um, in the physical activity space. So my, my journey, I guess, in Australia started 13 years ago when we arrived mm-hmm. and at that point in time I was a stay-at-home mum so I'd been looking after little people for a few years in the UK I had a previous career before kids of working in corporate HR so all the way through my life it's always been people 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 mm-hmm. just different mm-hmm. perspectives yep. um, and in that postpartum phase I lost myself completely yeah I was just like I don't know who I am I don't have an identity anymore mm-hmm. I recognize that I'm these little people's mummy but like beyond that who even knows um and the way that I found m- myself was actually face down in the bottom of a swimming pool not trying to kill myself or anything swimming. Okay. <laughs> just to be very clear swimming because <laughs> I swam freestyle not backstroke so ah, face down so good. um following this like black line um and I swam as a kid but I just got like, it was just my pathway back to me. Mm. Um, and I, in my move to Australia, I was like, the one thing I'm not going to do is shy away from the fact that, you know, it's Australia and they're amazing swimmers and English people are not good swimmers by comparison. And I committed to joining a swimming club as a way to kind of find people and, you know, keep doing the thing that had served me so well for the last maybe year before we moved. Um, joined a swimming club over here turned out I was actually really good at swimming um and all I needed to do was actually train with people who knew what they were doing doing. yeah yeah and so then I you know competed at states and at nationals and I swam in the pool and in the ocean and it was like my like happy place like it was amazing and in that kind of first well, even six months of being in Australia, I'd mm-hmm. been asked if I wanted to go and compete at the next nationals by mm-hmm. my coach mm-hmm. and then promptly broke my foot. 
So I, <laughs> if ever the universe is telling you to slow yeah. down, for me, it's always like I have some cataclysmic bodily malfunction. Yeah, me and too. it's like, now you must rest. Yes. Anyway, this is a very long bio, but essentially um, I decided working with women in that postpartum phase would be something I could do. Like if in my recovery, so I was doing like dry training because I couldn't mm-hmm. swim with the plastic mm-hmm. cast on. Um, if I could do this for me, what could I do to help other women? like just normalize their experience. So in that journey, I observed so many different bodies responding to so many different kinds of trauma, you know, whether it was childbirth as a, you know, a a traumatic birth, Mm, but also the kind of compounding effects of what we bring into mothering, Mm. um, you know, Mm. relational trauma and all of the things that we could talk about for days, but Mm -hmm. also then all of the, um, the kind of really, icky bits like interpersonal violence and childhood sexual abuse which all really comes out if we've if even if we've dealt with it to some extent it really does come out in that postpartum relationship with our own children Mm. and that started my interest in okay so where does physical health and mental health where does that abut each other and so my phd which has been i don't know seven years in the kind of happening um is around cardio boxing. So nothing to do with swimming at all, but cardio boxing. Yeah, cardio boxing as an intervention for women who have experienced intimate partner violence. Yeah. So so I have this kind of like dual Mm. aspect at the moment where I'm doing my PhD and I'm, you know, in this academic space. And then Mm. um, the rest of the time I'm in practice supporting mostly women. I do work with some men. It's not that I only, you know, like if you're a guy, I'm going to say no. But um, (laughs) But it just, I mean, A, mostly women come to therapy more than men. And Mm -hmm. secondly, it's just my jam. Um, Yeah. And all of the traumas, pretty much any, yeah, all the fun stuff. Wow. Yeah. It's, I, oh, there's so many places I want to go. I mean, (laughs) so I want to come back to something that you just said, the compounding effects Mm -hmm. of what we bring to motherhood. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. when I'm hearing you say that, because one of the reasons, um, that I was so interested in talking to you when we were introduced was mm. you had said to me, you work at this kind of junction point of all the taboos in a woman's life. Mm-hmm. So we're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, traumatic childbirth, yeah. trauma in earlier life, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I had said to you, I really am interested in how, at least in my experience and the experience of lots of women that I'm connected to, um, this sort of unhealed or unlooked at or untended trauma Mm. really comes to the surface in the menopause Mm. transition. Mm. And I think probably it is for me personally true to say also when I transition to motherhood, definitely. Mm -hmm. Actually, I Mm -hmm. suspect that that is the reason why I didn't fall pregnant for a long time. I feel like my my energetic system was not ready to because I kind of had a sense that it would bring lots of things to the surface. What do you mean by the compounding effects of what we bring to motherhood? Why why do these transition points in a woman's life yeah. bring it all to the surface? Oh, it's so true. Even hearing you even hearing you rephrase that and, and reflect on your own experience mm. makes me just zoom out a little bit more. And I was just thinking, you know, it probably is at every transition point for women. Mm. Like when we start our periods. Periods, yeah. That's the time. Yep. This this phase of like what it is to be a mother. I've got a lot of clients at the moment in their 20s and there's mm-hmm. there's a really interesting space around that phase of life right now and how 20 somethings are trying to navigate the pressures that are 
that are on them. Like, and I don't think I had that awareness when no. I was in my twenties. I think I thought I knew everything. I think well, I we thought I was social media sorted. Yeah, yes, we didn't have social media. Off us. Yeah, like um, social media kind of um, oh, what's the right word? It's like Pollyannaing what it would be like yeah. to be the perfect mother or the perfect this or the perfect that. And there's so many different strong points of view and kind of yep. movements around that. Yeah, Some of the things I see about mothering on the internet, I'm like, God, I'm so glad yeah. this shit wasn't around when I was a mother because yeah. I was putting enough pressure on myself yep. to not worry yep. about absolutely. all of the, sorry, I interrupted you, but that yeah. I. No, I'm, but it's yeah. so true. Yeah, so it's, it's, you're absolutely right. I think that it's so different now. And mm. I, I'm like you, I'm glad I. I mm. did that phase, for sure, that phase where we had, you know, books, but we did not have the internet <laughs> to kind of help us out on that journey. Um, and, and and then that, that, that time of, I, I, when it comes to, to motherhood, I think that whatever we carry into that, what it, whatever that might be, right, like mm. relational trauma, mm. probably one of the most significant because I don't think that there is anything quite so and I'm going to use triggering in the very literal sense, in the cl- clinical yes. sense, yeah. as um, as the experience of being able to provide something for your child that you never received for yourself. And I hear that, I like I've just had goosebumps saying that because this is something yeah. I talk, or I get talked to by my clients about often mm. because they are that like it's staggering our capacity to nurture despite never having experienced that thing yeah and there's something beautiful about that there's something healing about that but there's also something um deeply painful oh (laughs) deeply 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 because there's Mm. there's a little part of us that lives Mm. on and that is having a full-blown tantrum at the fact that they do not know yeah. what it is to experience this. Yeah. Um, how can this other part of us, this mothering part, step in and do this incredible job and yet there's this deeply wounded, I don't know, yeah. mine's a 10-year-old, I don't know how old everyone else's part might mine's be, but is like I know mine is. three and a half, yeah. I reckon. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, you know, there's this deeply wounded part that is going, what the heck? Why? Yeah why how like what and and I think that just makes that hurt more painful and just so present and so all of a sudden we're in this interaction with our little person and I think that you know when I reflect back on when I my children particularly my daughter because she was my firstborn and I was my mother's firstborn and there's so many parallels within all of the things in my life when when my hurty points in my childhood when it was her turn to be that age, I know that I was not my best self and reflecting, I can see what was happening in that moment. I didn't know what I know now, which is, you know, both a blessing and a curse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. The more aware yeah. we are, the more we, yeah, yeah. can shine the, the more light we of know compassion. Truly, yeah. yeah. Also wish that it was different. Yeah. I am relating yeah. so much to so much of what you're saying. I will actually add to that, that because mm. a lot of my, relational trauma is actually with my mother and and her inability to mother in the way that you know ideally I would have mm-hmm. liked and that all children you know deserve mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and now as an adult I can see the reasons for that and the fact that she is still stuck in mm-hmm. her five-year-old self 
and not able to. But there's a there was a deep grief in me every time mm-hmm. my kids hit a particular mm-hmm. age where traumatic mm-hmm. things happened, where I was like, how could you possibly, and I'm going to use my, you know, inverted commas, do that mm-hmm. to a mm-hmm. five-year-old, eight-year-old, 10-year-old, whatever. Yeah. But there's also, uh, for me, there was another level of grief of watching my mum be a grandmother in a uh, way that she could never mother. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Ooh. I mean, don't they just make the best grandmas? Yeah. Mm. It's it's kind of staggering. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. For me, my mum was a career teacher before before mm-hmm. she retired. And mm-hmm. I I observed her as the most amazing teacher. Like even in that moment, I would watch her and go, You have this incredible connection with these people that you teach. Like, uh, who is this, who is this human? I don't even know this version of you. Um and so yeah, it's it's and and again, like when we get to this point, right? Like in this, you know, perimenopausal mm-hmm. hangout, you, we can now have that perspective and yeah. observe that I have just unending amounts of compassion for my mum. Yeah. Right. Like, yes, yeah. I mean, the the anger and the hurt and all of the tricky bits that have definitely been navigated mm-hmm. to a greater or lesser extent. And that's not to say that, like, I just want to put out there. I don't think we're ever done with that like I'm a therapist I absolutely (laughs) think that attending therapy is part of my um practice as an in in, having integrity in the work that I do yes um and that's not to say that I think we should make a business like obviously I'm I'm in business as a Mm -hmm. therapist I'm not saying that it's a money-making thing that everybody should be in therapy forever but I think that it's an expectation that life happens um and you know we'll be done with a part of our our work I hate mm-hmm. that phrase like I'm using inverted commas now oh, I hate yeah, the yeah. phrase but I just can't find a better way of putting it um we can get over a, a bit of it and you know we've processed enough to a place where we can function really well with what's happening right now and then mm-hmm. life happens and some crazy shit falls out of the sky and it another yeah. thing happens and that's when yeah. you know and yeah so I don't ever think we're at a place where you know it's we're magically some, done yeah I'm so glad you're saying that farting rainbows and that is just not happening I just think we need to be really realistic I think about what it is to to come out the other side of that Mm. and um yeah yeah uh, yeah sorry when you when you're saying every transition of ours brings Mm. things to the surface is that Mm. just because is it exactly like you're saying like you just said you know when we go into this perimenopausal hangout and we there's another kind of, I don't know, perspective or is it that every transition point we expand our awareness mm. more and more or does it become more encompassing of all the different ways that women turn up in the world? Like mm. I, I'm, because, it's interesting. Um, I, yeah, go on, what were you going to say? Oh, no, I, I'm just thinking because I feel like um I don't know. My calling, I've just been writing um, website copies and it's just like very present yeah. for me at the moment. I really strongly feel like there is a wise woman version of me 
calling me through all mm. the sticky stuff that mm-hmm. I haven't wanted to look at before. I haven't been brave enough, haven't had the tools, haven't had the support, haven't had the whatever, like fill in the blank, um, mm. have been too busy pushing it down with my <laughs> coping mechanisms, <laughs> <laughs> which then when you hit perimenopause and you can't always just go like the clappers and um, keep yourself busy. Mm. But I, I feel like there is a wise woman version of me that's saying, the most painful bits offer the most transformation mm. and that's what's been calling me forward. Mm. And um, I've definitely, like the last couple of years, gone through some very trying mental health, you know, places where I've, be- I've felt very, very oh, discombobulated and really sort of lost my identity. But, mm. yeah, I feel like there is, is it just that there's another version of ourselves calling us, like, you know, when we first become mums, are we tapping into a level of wisdom that we mm. haven't had? And then I don't love that either because I don't think that you have to be a mother to have that wisdom. Like, you know, I don't even yeah. know what my question is. Exactly. <laughs> no, but that's that's so true. If I if I um because that's to that assumes that that is an ex- a phase of life that everyone goes through, and obviously yes. not every Which woman does yes. go through that. And yes. Uh, for either choice or not choice right like that's that's a whole complicated space um but I think that the one thing that being a woman affords us Mm -hmm. I was thinking about your first question which was like why do you why do I think that it's at all of these intersections and I think that the kind of like my my first my first degree was in history so I'm Mm -hmm. like this like like and I think I think as a historian about yes psychological issues and like perspective like I'm that's how my brain works so I kind of like zoomed straight out and went kind of the way that society is like the reason I think Mm. that these things come up is because we don't have a space to talk about these things it's not just on like it's not the menu that we're all served Mm -hmm. um it's the secret women's business it's the stuff that has never been spoken about out in the world because yes patriarchy and all of the things um so I think that it's I think that being a woman affords us these opportunities of transition that I do believe that, and I can't speak for what it is to be a man because I'm not, mm. um, and I don't know that, but my my observation is that they they kind of do puberty and then they yeah. do, do man. Um, in, you know, and, and that's not to say that becoming a father isn't really transitional. I'm not denigrating that experience at yeah. all, but it, it doesn't happen to them their bodies mm, it doesn't mm. happen in Hormonally, that way and yeah. and the way that you know our, our hormones play into this so estrogen is our caretaking hormone it is the thing that drives us to do the nurturing i am um, mm-hmm. i was so struck by doom scrolled um i have this uh, just as a complete aside i have this app on my phone to stop me accessing um instagram I need rapidly that. one sec it's called one sec so it okay. ca- it causes you to pause because when you go to open instagram it kicks in and it makes you take a breath mm-hmm. and it makes you basically go do you really want to do this do you really want to what are you looking <laughs> um, for here yeah yes. like and and most of the time it stops me and i go oh damn it yeah no that's right yeah, i don't want to yeah, do this yeah. but i did cut through the firewall of the one sec and i got through <laughs> i persevered and there was a there was um and for people that are international, they won't they won't necessarily understand this. But there was a radio interview with um, an Australian interview with Kate Ritchie, who used to be on some mm, yeah, uh, some away, of her, what was that yeah. show, Home and Away. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Maggie, not Maggie Dent, because that's the chef. Is it Maggie Dent? Whatever oh, Ma- the the um, not Maggie no. Beers, Maggie Dent. Yeah, that's right. The parenting yeah. one. Mm, yes. Um, 
that was this is my you know I only lived here for 13 years and I don't know all the people yet um <laughs> she was talking about the mental load right and mm. Kate Ritchie was crying she was actually crying when Maggie was just describing some of the thoughts that happen as women go to bed men go to bed and they just go to bed yeah. women go to bed who have children or who have people that they have to care for so it's not just children it could be elderly parents could be friends they get mm-hmm. into bed and that's when the estrogen reminding mechanism goes, oh, you need to do this. And did they do that? And did that happen? And it's all <gasps> about everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> and we lie, lie awake thinking about it all. Yeah. So we have this like hormonal drive to do that stuff, whether it's mm-hmm. children or other people that we're caring for. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we can really, and I, and I guess that drives a lot of these transitional phases, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what kicks in in, yeah. in puberty. That's what mm-hmm. kicks out at the other yeah. end. And I do think that drives a lot of the whole, no, this is not, I can't be, no, you can all look after yourself a little bit more now. Come along. <laughs> this oh, is, I, I'm kind of, the CBF's <laughs> kicked in and I can't, and I just don't have capacity for it. And actually I'm exhausted. And yeah. my my eighteen year old said to me the other day, "Mommy, you're always tired." And I'm like, "Yeah, blinking while well, I am." But I'm mm. like, "I am always tired yeah. right now because there's not enough hours in the day." And mm-hmm. because because of the choices I made earlier in my life, and they were informed choices to be a present stay at home mom. Yes, because I didn't experience that right. Like, so I was trying mm-hmm. to do a different thing because. Mm. Again, the wounded me was trying to provide something <laughs> yes. that I had not, you know, all of the things. That means I'm doing a PhD when I'm 46, when I really wanted to do it at 26. Uh-huh. But I had it in my head that at 26, I needed to be getting pregnant because, again, my mum had me later. And maybe that's why, maybe that's why we had the relationship we had, right? Like all of oh. this crazy pressure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even so know whether that things. answered a question. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm loving where we're going because it, there's just so many layers of. I, many, many years ago, I did some Martini training, and one thing that um, really stuck in my head was our voids drive our values, mm-hmm. and that makes so much sense to me on the the mothering and providing what you haven't mm-hmm. been provided before. Mm-hmm. Um, I have almost gotten, well, I have definitely gotten to the stage where when I turned 47, which was last January, so almost two years ago, mm-hmm. I feel like my estrogen just must have, I must have just walked off the side of a cliff with the estrogen. And all of a sudden I was like, I couldn't give two flying Fs what you need or want from me. I mm-hmm. don't have anything. Mm-hmm. I, like I I kept on saying, I have no bandwidth. I have no bandwidth. And I literally mm-hmm. was, like I didn't realise it at the time, but, you know, I really literally did have a very tiny Mm. amount of bandwidth um but I think that for me my void of this is not the way that I want to repeat mothering Mm. drove a value of going too far in the opposite direction Mm -hmm. so then I over delivered over mothered over over everything and now looking back I can see how some of what I did out of inverted commas love and being Mm driven by a void um disempowered my daughters in Mm -hmm. in in shocking ways that I can see so clearly as a 48 almost 49 year old but couldn't see then um but I'm interested when you start talking about like the layers of understanding of what you didn't get Mm. and and how does that turn up when someone's when someone comes to you and they're Mm. showing this pattern of use the word grief that what that's what feels true for me that Mm -hmm. level of like 
I love this thing with all my heart and soul. And at the same time, I have a very strong grief or strong Mm. response in some way. How Mm. does that turn up in someone's life though? Because, Mm. you know, for a lot of us, when we are parenting, especially young parenting, we've got no time or space to even check in on Mm. what the heck is going on internally. It's just that we've got whatever going on at the surface. So what are the surface things that happen? Yeah, and that's that's interesting because I think this is where um, working as a psychotherapist versus, say, working as maybe a counsellor in a short-term capacity and mm-hmm. even as a psychologist. So my, I very deliberately chose yes. this pathway rather than the 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 psych path when mm-hmm. I went back because of the the medical model of health because of equity and access, which in Australia, Medicare is great, but it's 10 sessions and you yeah. can do enough all in 10 sessions, mm-hmm. um, particularly with trauma, right? Like, yes, sure, for some other things, maybe. Um, but it's it's a long-term project, I, mm-hmm. I think, for most people, and certainly most people that I work with and the sort of work that I do. And I think that most of the time people come with a behaviour or a... Um, an area of their life that is causing them pain or that they can recognize some level of, I was going to say dysfunction, but not quite rightness because yes. I don't like, again, I don't like even the term dysfunction. Yeah, me too. Medical yeah. and not helpful. Yeah. Um, and so they, they, they come with this, like, this thing is a problem. This messy mm-hmm. ball of yarn is causing mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. some issues and it presents like this. So yes. it might present like, I know that I'm drinking too much or I've got a Mm. poor relationship with food or this person in my life is causing me significant pain. When that sometimes is a child, like it might be a later point in their their parenting journey or it's often their intimate partner. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And, and my first, my first thing is, okay, well it's, we could treat that thing, right. We could treat the presenting issue, which is what, which is what psychology says we have to do. We're assessing Mm -hmm, it and mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. diagnose it. And then based on that diagnosis, based on our assessment, we then go treat, find the treatment plan that's appropriate based on what the DSM-5 says. Mm -hmm. And I go, well, why? Like I've trained with Gabor Mate and his team and his his, like story of not why the addiction, but why the pain is like seminal for me. It's, why is that pain there that drives us to do the thing? Whatever the thing is, it could be, mm-hmm. you know, in and out of relationships. Mm-hmm. I've had more engagements than I've had hot dinners. I've got more mm-hmm. wedding dresses in my mm-hmm. cupboard than we could shake a stick at. Like it's mm-hmm. like that is just as dysfunctional mm-hmm. and problematic as, um, you know, I don't know, drinking or drug taking or, mm-hmm. you know, chasing money shopping like whatever it's like we all have that thing we all have that part of us that shows Mm. up when all of the other and I work with a a framework called internal family systems a type of therapy that yes yeah IFS um Richard Schwartz's work around parts of self and so these these what he refers to as firefighters we all I believe we all have a firefighter and for some Mm. people that looks like rage Mm -hmm. um for other people that looks like self-harm for other people that looks like pervasive suicidality um Mm uh and then you know yeah binge eating (laughs) exactly or you know having this really problematic relationship with our bodies which is so tricky for so many of us yeah which again comes up at all of these intersections of life as Mm -hmm. a woman right like 
it's like the estrogen comes in or out and body issues also yeah flare up here we um, are changing again all, yeah all <laughs> of those things are there under the surface and they they usually are developed really young right like they usually yeah. have arrived as our backstop and and it's a bit like you know we were talking before we started about you know what your husband does for work we all need we need firefighters in our life yeah. right because we need people who are going to keep us safe when everything else fails mm-hmm. um so we need them it's not about getting rid of any of these parts it's mm. about you know getting them to stand down so that they're having a rest in the fire station rather yes. than you know on out there doing the thing creating um, issues yeah creating all sorts of fun <clears throat> for us to deal with but 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 underneath all of that we have these managers who are the and i see i see the managers you know yeah. they're the people that show up in therapy they're the parts of us that they're the the people the versions of us that i meet first i'm like okay so we're gonna build a relationship here Mm because that's what long-term therapy affords us it gives us and i don't mean years and years i mean just this regular space that's safe with somebody that you can yeah, yeah that you can um navigate difficulty and learn that nothing bad is going to happen because that is essentially mm. you know our job that i will think the very best of you irrespective of how you show up irrespective of what you say if you're permanently late if you get cross with me because i don't know i've pressed on a thing that just hurts right yeah. like hey you can show up next week and it's all going to be totally fine and we're going to talk about it and we're mm-hmm. going to prepare that and we learn this relational way of, way of being that we have not experienced somewhere else hopefully mm-hmm. that's that's the mm-hmm. that's actually the real goal i think because if we learn to do it here and it's safe mm-hmm. we can then start to get to what is the underlying wound that has created all of this other stuff you know you've actually just put into words so beautifully the difference between the medical model of yeah I see you I slap Mm -hmm. a diagnosis on you then blah blah versus what you're saying is for you and the work that you do you're creating a safe space that Mm. these people have not necessarily had before yep and a safe place by definition means that you can say be or do whatever you need to be at the time and know that there's not going to be any um repercussions or uh, yeah that we're not going to it's not only that there's going to be a reaction by that person but also that 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 safe place isn't going to be taken away because that's what so many of us learned if you don't behave right Mm -hmm. you are going to your room or you are now cut from me and mm-hmm. I am not dealing with you. How yeah. many of us were parented in that way that is like not yeah. even seen and not heard, but the next iteration, which was a bit like you behave the way that I expect you to behave yeah. or you're not acceptable to me. And that is yeah. not what was directly said, but that is what we encoded. Oh, so, um, yeah, yeah, even looking back at the way that I parented so many times and I just think, oh, no, that's not what I... Anyway, yeah. you don't know until you know. I also... Also, we, me, so yeah. <laughs> um, just in terms of the IFS, you've used two mm-hmm. IFS um, parts um, descriptions, mm-hmm. so managers and firefighters. Can we mm-hmm. zoom back out and just give mm-hmm. people? And I know IFS is such a a, a, Huge. a big thing to try and um, yeah. describe. But when I learned, I learned IFS um, around the time that I was really struggling with binge eating, and it really made me so much more compassionate towards the part of me that needed Mm -hmm. to eat to Mm -hmm. self-soothe 
So can you just give, I don't know, the two-minute version of IFS? Yeah, it's a bit tricky, I know. Yeah. Sorry, Dick Schwartz. Yeah, I know. Completely. (laughs) Apologies, Richard. Um, Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, (laughs) Yes, so IFS is one of a number of different forms of um, therapy modalities or approaches to therapy that recognizes mm-hmm. that we 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 excuse me we all have internal hearts yep and um who would have thought that you know back in the day jung and freud and those people were completely bang on um our psyche is not one dimensional which is why it's really normal that you know in the one instance we might notice that we're really excited about one thing and there's a part of us that is like woohoo I can't wait to do this thing. And then there's also an equally loud, if not louder part that's going, oh my gosh, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, during yeah. my PhD, tomorrow I have to present in front of the whole school um, and defend essentially my my research proposal. Oh, exciting. I am so excited and also <laughs> terrified, right? Yeah, like, so, so it's this idea that we have these different parts of self, super normal. Yes. And uh, that, like, if I could get one message across to people, it's that, having that awareness is so life-changing so because life-changing. we stop judging the fact that we seem to be at sixes and sevens on the yes. inside yeah and you know it's not clinically problematic it's mm-hmm. you know so many people we use it's one of the things that really gets me mm. we use lots of mental health terminology very flippantly these days yes um and it's not about having multiple personalities right that mm-hmm. doesn't even exist as a diagnosis anymore um uh, so these multiple parts of self are really normal. So that's the yes. first thing to say. Yes. Um, and Richard's approach, IFS, is a is a framework that helps us put language to some of these parts, which I think mm-hmm. is just really, I think people connect really well to it. Yeah. Um, and it also comes with this idea that when we've experienced traumatic events or experiences, so that doesn't have to be singular one-off moments, it can be, ongoing stuff Mm -hmm. um parts of us become fractured it's a term that another clinician called Janina Fisher uses Mm -hmm. um these fractured parts of self they get stuck so there are parts of us that get stuck in our trauma time which Mm -hmm. is why I've got a 10 year old and you've got a three-year-old that runs right inside sometimes Mm -hmm. because those parts are stuck there until we can kind of unburden them as Richard that's Richard terminology unburden that wounded part so Often it's our little parts that carry our trauma mm-hmm. and our pain. They aren't mm-hmm. our trauma, but they carry that burden. Yeah. And so very young, we develop strategies to deal with that because we're super adaptive little humans and we create these manager parts. And whether that is um, like the good girl kind of trope, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're just always going to be on our best behavior and we, yeah. and, you know, perfectionism can come out like that. Mm-hmm. Um, later on, I often refer to managers as the parts of us that we would sell at a job interview. Yeah. So, you know, for me, it was always, I'm just super independent and you can rely on me to do any of the things. And I could just do all the things, right? Like hyper-independence yeah. is such yeah. a, a trauma response. It's so, I used to think that was like yeah. the part of me that I most valued in my 20s. So and now of, right? I look Everything. back and go, oh yeah. my God, you were just yeah. so stuck in the pattern yeah. of Having, having to do to, it all yourself because you couldn't rely on anyone and bloody bloody right. right. And then all the passive aggressiveness that used to come out of me when I resent the fact that I had to do everything for myself. Yeah. And it's like, and but that's nobody's what you're helping me. Nobody is helping me. That's because I don't actually know what it is to receive help. Exactly. Um, this is a conversation I had with my therapist about two weeks ago, oh, and he just crazy. was blown away by my responses. And I was just like, ah, good. 
good. I'm glad you're enjoying working with me. Excellent. Um, <laughs> so, so then we have these managers that most of the time do the job great, mm-hmm. um, but they're not our self. That's not, mm, um, it's not the authentic self kind of as us. Richard. No, Richard calls it self with a capital S. Yes. Um, other people might call it adult part, or mm-hmm. but essentially, um, it's epitomized within his work as having lots of C words associated Peace. with that part. Yep. So, so compassion for self and others. Yeah. Um, creativity. Yep. Um, we're calm. We're connected. Yeah, we're crea- courageous. We're creative. Yeah. You know, when we're in those spaces, mm-hmm. we know that we're being us. We're being yeah. us, ourselves. Yes. Truly. Um, and then, yep, we have, like I said, these these firefighters that are the kind of like th- that's the evidence that the managers have dropped the ball essentially. Yeah. So when when those are showing up, we know that the managers have have lost the plot and they're they're out. And so you know, great firefight. They're they're my favorite parts, right? They're the parts I get to you know work with because mm. you know we have so much disdain for our firefighters and actually thank god we have them because if we didn't we'd be in a right pickle well because Um, they let the pressure out of the pressure cooker right exactly i I think as you're talking um because i've done a fair bit of ifs work before Mm. i have like really really clear because i'm such a visual person i have really clear Mm -hmm. pictures of my parts and my manager part and this is very likely because my dad was in the army for 26 years but my manager part is one of those perfectly coiffed around about 1960s Air Force beehive clipboard, like she has her shit together Mm -hmm. 24-7, um, you know, it's one of those like ask a busy person and, you know, it'll get get done. That's my manager part. But when she gets exhausted or when she hits perimenopause and there ain't (laughs) no gas in the tank, yeah. Then what comes out is the firefighter, which is this like just sit down and eat, like just sit down yeah. and eat, and that will soothe your. And that part mm-hmm. of me, I can, I know exactly where and when it started, like precisely, mm-hmm. because I remember like sitting in front of a freezer as I'm listening to screaming in my household, eating ice cream with a spoon, and that was like my meditative sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And the way that parts work showed up for me in terms of delivering self-compassion was just, I always had this frame of like, why as an intelligent person, can I not figure out how to not mm-hmm. eat? Like, mm-hmm. you know, because that. it's a willpower issue, issue, right? Yeah, like because what, because what is that's what so, so fundamentally wrong with you that you can't Correct. sort this out. You must not want it enough or uh-huh. whatever it is that the story exactly. says. And yeah. when parts yeah. actually gave me, the understanding that this was just a firefighter part of myself mm-hmm. that was coming up mm-hmm. um, to avoid the pain mm-hmm. of, you know, in, in any yeah. other time when that sort of level of pain or disconnection from, you know, safety, in especially mm-hmm. safety, um, yeah, that would trigger yeah. the, the eating. And so, and and I always, you know, I'm struck by what an incredibly creative and resourceful yes. version of you that is. Right? How incredible that you found a place to go and -hmm. not hear and feel all of this awfulness. Yeah. Right? Like that just makes me want to cry because this little you is like, while I'm doing this thing, I can't tune into this other stuff that hurts me. And what a what an what an adaptation. Yes. What an incredible adaptation. And so Mm -hmm. much of this is around having this awareness that these adaptations that we make, Mm -hmm. we made at a time when 
that's all we had available to us. Well, nothing right? else We're little was, people. Yeah. We've got nothing. Yeah. So how awesome. Not serving us necessarily now as no. an adult, no. but having compassion for being able to go, wow. Right. And that's the that bit about having time with someone is not yes. dealing with the why you've why you're coming in here because you've got a binge eating issue with ice cream. Yeah. It's that why why where does that come from? Let's understand yeah. that. And yeah. if we can work with that thing, hey. Great. Because it means that, you know, mm. you may never binge again, but likely, likely mm. something is going to happen to you that's yeah. going to trigger you because we can't future-proof life. No, um, not. I've worked with a client last night. She's one of the, um, she's in the UK at the moment. Um, and I've worked with her when she's lived all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was one of my very first clients that I ever worked with. And I haven't, mm. we were talking about it yesterday probably haven't spoken to her for maybe two or three years yeah and um she she reached out to me because she recently got diagnosed with cancer and she's like I can't believe I had to reach out to you because we had done so much great stuff and I'm like this is what this is this is reality this This is is life yeah right exactly and I'm so thrilled that this feels like a a safe place for you Mm -hmm. to come back to because Mm -hmm. we just picked up where we left off and it felt like it was yesterday um and we get to do you know, we don't have to deal with all the stuff because that's all done. But yeah. what's happening right now has triggered stuff. Of course it has. It's awful. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. But that's not a failing. That's not about you haven't done a good enough job at therapy. Like that just adds into this, you know, idea that we've got to do everything do perfectly. perfectly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I think um that the the understanding of how smart the adaptations that we have. Mm-hmm. And I really love so what you said before was oh, it's not not why the addiction, it's why the pain. Mm-hmm. That's really, that actually gives me, I, I feel like I've had one of those chiropractic adjustments of the soul because that's such a good question. Mm-hmm. And we can only give ourselves good answers when we ask the right high-quality questions. Right question. Right? And, that's, um, and that's my, that is my thing. Like if there was one thing that under, underlines everything mm-hmm. that I've always done, it's mm-hmm. about I have this insatiable curiosity for asking good questions like for mm. getting to good yeah. questions not that I think I'm good at it but I am always trying to get better at it because I find yeah. it fascinating because if you ask a rich question you get such a, a different answer so than if good. we could just go oh so you know how many times do you drink mm. that's a question right tell me not about the last time you drank what was happening for what you? was happening totally yeah. different kind feeling? of response yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Can you see a pattern? Um, when you're working with people at this midlife transition and mm-hmm. they're coming with the, you know, the surface issues that we've been talking about, what mm-hmm. are some of your high-quality questions that you like asking? Because it feels like this mm-hmm. time of life is a breeding ground of um, <laughs> questions like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, <laughs> why did I let that happen? Um, I'm not available, you know, like, what am I really available for? Who do I really want to be? Um, what no longer serves me? Like, Mm -hmm. what are some of your Mm -hmm. favorite midlife transition questions? Some of them are around what, what would having that answer, what would understanding that mean for you? Right? Mm. Like, what is it that you're hoping is going to come? Like, how different do you think life is going to be if you knew the answer to that? Like, because, because that's about what's the underlying motivation it's still Mm. again it's like for me it's always about you come with this thing Mm -hmm. but underneath there is some there is a thing Mm. Mm. (laughs) like and so what is it that's actually 
driving that thing. And like, why now? Like, why are you actually here now? Right. Like, yeah. and it could be that it's now I have the time and the money to sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But also I suspect that there's usually some kind of pain that is so like yeah. burdensome mm-hmm. that has caused that to be now because mm-hmm. our time for engaging in choosing to do this, if you've never done therapy before and you rock up, why now? What, like what's, yeah. What is that all about? And it's one of the few times that I use why mm. as a question. Like why is a really tricky one in a yeah. in a therapy space because it can be super judgmental. You've got to have a really it can be received judgmentally. It's not normally yes. meant that way. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. You have to have a really good relationship with somebody before you can go, yeah, but why? Mm. Right? Like that's it can be meant with genuine curiosity, mm-hmm. but often that's like it puts us straight away on the defensive, like, well, because I felt like it was the right thing to do at the time. Like you saying it's not the right thing. Did I do the yeah, wrong yeah, thing? Yeah, 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 right? yeah. Then you question yeah. yourself. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But why now is often is one of the questions that yeah. I'll that I'll ask. Yeah. I reckon yeah. my answer to that would be when I finally, because I've been trying to find the right psychologist for years and never ever found and and now I understand it's more about the approach of psychology than yeah anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, my answer to that would be that I am not able to distract myself from this pain. The pain is getting bigger than uh, my ability to pretend it's not there. <laughs> and that what a beautifully rich answer because then you know that could take us down that path of understanding about distractions and how distractions have served you and why did we need distractions in the first place and yeah. what are we distracting ourselves from and how does that distraction really like yeah. what does it feel like when you're distracted yeah um because that must feel that's so- what it feels like <laughs> that's what it feels yeah. like that's what I realized I actually listened to a Glennon Doyle podcast episode, and I, I I must go back and try and figure this out, but she was interviewing someone, I can't remember what, but one of the questions that she asked was, where are you abandoning yourself? Mm-hmm. And I was in the car driving to a completely ill-fitting corporate job, mm-hmm. tears streaming down my face for probably the fifth day in a row. Like I just mm-hmm. was not coping with the world. And I thought that it was all of this external stuff, like, mm-hmm. you know, dementia, pe- parent, teenage kids and all of those things. But when that question was asked, I was like, oh, everywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a job that doesn't interest me, doesn't serve me, doesn't allow me mm-hmm. to deliver my gifts to the world. I'm, mm-hmm. yeah, all the ways that I'm showing up. And that was, um, yeah, that was tough, a tough realisation. But also mm-hmm. then at least when you've had that realisation, then you're at a point of choice <laughs> because yeah. until then I was just going through the motions. Blindly, <laughs> blindly responding. Yeah. That's that's and that is a such a great um such a great question about abandonment because mm. if we're thinking about those adaptations, usually usually almost always when we're very young, mm-hmm. attachment mm. to our caregivers trumps authenticity. Yes. Right, that whole Gabor Mate thing again around that we, if if we are not getting our needs met, Mm -hmm. at no point does a little person go, oh, it must be my caregiver (laughs) that's the problem, Uh, because that essentially to a young person is 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 so terrifying. That is such a scary end of the world. Like that's like 
you know, before we know that the world is round, that's like mm. edge of the map territory. That's yeah. like, I can't even imagine what that, I, that's mm-hmm. just not mm-hmm. a possibility. Yeah. So what is the alternative? Well, I must be the problem. Mm. And so if I'm the problem, then that makes the things that I stand for tricky. So we're just going to constantly self-abandon because actually we have not been taught the other, mm. right? The people that, the, the few people, in my experience that got that secure attachment thing down yeah <laughs> is there is it where are they in the world? I don't even know. <laughs> um there's an interesting book called attached um mm-hmm. by amia levine and uh another researcher dr mm-hmm. amia levine and someone else and it's like the cover says brand new attachment research first time ever brought to blah blah and i'm like pretty sure we've known about this for a really long time actually yeah. um <laughs> but i think it's the first time it's been put in a book in the self-help section mm-hmm. um and it describes all the different attachment styles in quite mm-hmm. a kind of creative way and people really connect to the first mm-hmm. part of the book that's all mm-hmm. about oh yeah i can see me in that yes 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 um and then it's like but you buy the self-help book because you're looking for the answer like how do i not have that insecure attachment? yeah <laughs> and then pretty much i mean i'm doing it a massive disservice but it pretty much says find a securely attached person and everything will be fine and that's not quite true that's it like but actually i'm like well, where are they because they aren't asking like, around it's like a game of musical chairs where there's only four chairs and a billion people exactly exactly it always makes me laugh i've had so many like really intelligent people i've had so many people say to me as clients they're like um i've read this amazing book and i'm like uh-huh and then and i'm like and then when they get to the end they're like oh it really disappointed me at the end and i'm like yeah <laughs> it's it's a tricky one kind of it it infers that we can fix this really easily and actually mm. attachment wounds are like they drive everything yeah 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 i um i i can't even remember where i got that i think it was a gabe mate series or something yeah where i finally understood because i had a lot of anger towards the younger part of me that's mm. like why did i why did I choose to caretake instead of standing up for my needs? Why did I blah, blah, blah? I mean, they're ridiculous questions, but I did have a lot of anger towards myself. And when I realized that attachment is not, it, it's it's essential, like that's the driver. Yeah. So you will choose to abandon who you really are and what you really need in favor mm-hmm. of attaching, of no matter what. Even if that, that attachment is really crappy, right? Yeah. Like. Even when it's... Even if it's, yeah, crumbs instead of what you really... Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's crazy, isn't it? I I think, um, I don't know, it kind of makes me want to go back to the social media thing of the parenting because I think there is a lot, well, at least in my feed on Instagram, of like attachment theory and this is how you must perfectly treat your children as a result, blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, you know what? All the theory in the world is not going to change human behavior and the way that we operate in these you know parts of ourselves when we're under stress and by definition parenting little people puts you under stress well and parenting bigger people it turns out like yes well yes who even wants to do that like that's a whole other roller coaster it's crazy um uh absolutely it's so um it's so excuse me pivotal right because if we can't um if we can't understand that we're all gonna f up our kids in some way Mm -hmm. right we are putting ourselves under this insane pressure that it can be done perfectly um and and it was this it was this session excuse me with um 
in our one of our sessions um, with Gabor's team. Mm-hmm. Um, one we, the 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 cool thing about training with them is that unlike oh my goodness, give me a second. Yeah, don't, all, good. all good. <laughs> <clears throat> We're getting too excited Otherwise, for ourselves. <laughs> I um yeah, there's um some throat infection going around my one of my kids' schools, I so if I get that right now, it's going to be problematic. Anyway. <laughs> No, um, delete that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do not put that into the universe. Um, uh, in in when we do training um, for say EMDR, so I am an yes. accredited practitioner with EMDR training. Mm-hmm. So uh, with EMDR as a modality, so eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, we use it a lot in trauma spaces. Love, love, love. Um, yeah, it's so powerful. But when we go and train as clinicians, mm-hmm. you have to. We take it in turns to practice. Mm the thing um and so they tell you in advance of your training that you need to come with memories from your own life so when it's your turn to be the client blah 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 be ready to be cracked yeah but but not too cracked because you can't bring a memory that's too bad yes right so in these in these kind of clinical spaces it's very it must be no more than a six out of ten in terms of distress it can't be unhealed attachment trauma it has to have been something you've talked about before like i'm like well what do I bring? Mm. Like, I don't even know where to start with that. No. So I found that really difficult because how mm. do you experience something if you yes. can't bring a, a meaty topic? Gamble's work is like, this is a whole year's worth of training. Um, everything comes back to the beginning of everything. So there's no point trying to pick mm. a thing that's not too distressing because we're going to get to the distressing thing anyway because yeah. that's his whole approach. Yeah. Um, so if you're signing up for this, you have to sign up for your own therapy outside mm-hmm. of the program, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So as a result, every week we met, there was always a big, we got to a big thing. So one of us was always the client. Ooh, yeah. And it was all, and the rest of us were watching online, like mm-hmm. cameras off. So it felt intimate, but also it felt like you were in this session yes. with this person. Yeah. One of one of my colleagues was um, has older kids, like in mm-hmm. their 20s, mm-hmm. and she brought a thing about parenting one of her four kids, mm-hmm. a current issue, and it went back. Mm-hmm. to you know the beginning of the things and mm-hmm. then it sparked this whole kind of response after the session all of us that were parents were like oh my god we're all gonna we're all gonna get this wrong like how, how can we get it right like we've already got it wrong like it created this kind of like panic <laughs> and our facilitator was like okay everybody just just stop a sec and he said <laughs> he's, he's so he was the most beautiful soul and he just looked at us all through his camera and he's like he's got a kid as well he goes we are all gonna fuck up our kids yeah, like you 100%. just need, to, regardless of how much you know, regardless of what you know, like it's all, you are going to get things wrong. It's not about getting it perfect. It's about creating a space where hmm. there is that secure base and safe haven for that kid to come back and for yeah. you to to attend to that wound and for you mm-hmm. to talk about it, right? Like mm-hmm. that same thing that I was talking about in modeling in a therapeutic space. Yes. Rupture is guaranteed Mm -hmm. what is not guaranteed is we're taught how to repair that's the thing that we get to bring Mm. to this Mm. generation that I don't think our parents well parenting wasn't even a doing word right like that was not a they were parents they didn't parent yeah Um, and and I think so yeah each generation kind of I don't know I look at both like my parents my dad was 55 when I was born so he was you know significantly older and yeah, my mum comes from a family of many traumas, and you just kind of think, well, she actually did a very good job compared to what how she was parented. There we go. You know, in the scheme of things, so if we can just try, and not to do a better job, I don't like that terminology mm-hmm. either, but to be more aware 
mm-hmm. maybe a little bit. Yeah. But I also kind of think, I don't know, there's a part of me that still subscribes to the belief that when we're up in the stars and not a human yet and we choose our skin suit, we also choose the parents and all of the things mm-hmm. that we need to deliver something our gift to the world Mm -hmm. our place in the world I don't really know so and I also really really (laughs) realize having two I've got two daughters 12 months apart you could perfectly parent one of them in a single moment Mm -hmm. and it would be completely the opposite of what the other one needed anyway so there is Mm -hmm. no perfect parenting no no and (sighs) to ask to ask one person to be able to do all of that is ridiculous right absolutely crackers yeah absolutely crackers um I'm interested when you were talking about because we're talking a lot about relationships and and parenting etc one of the things that when we had our kind of Mm pre-chat you talked about this um pattern that you often see of uh, women shedding relationships or friendships Mm -hmm. or having to refine themselves in friendships can you talk a little bit about that is that because we become aware of like I, I feel like I have definitely shed a lot of relationships in the last couple of years. And mm-hmm. for me, it's because I have been working so much on that codependency caretaking that I'm realizing where I've created relationships all mm-hmm. over the place where mm-hmm. I am never going to receive what I need as an equal mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I've got this over delivery pattern right so I'm just like I'm not available anymore I just can't do that and I won't do it to myself is that why we shed I I think that's possibly a a part of it and it's certainly Mm. something that I've you've you've relayed that it's your experience I Mm. think it's definitely the experience of a a number of women Mm. I think sometimes that I so I think there's that estrogen drop off which Mm. plays into this because we've got what, we just yeah. can't be bothered like these relationships that we <laughs> yeah. you know felt like they served us at the time and maybe they served a part of us and we mm-hmm. maintain them and we do mm-hmm. it like I think so many women do these things grudgingly because they feel like they should yeah. right because what are people going to say about us if we don't have a big friendship group it's just like mm-hmm. it's just like year 12 all over again like who's yeah. going to be yeah you know who's going to be at from together or formal or whatever like it's ick it's really Um, but also but also I think that if women are doing their stuff and they're getting to know themselves like Mm -hmm. if we're talking about that IFS lens and if we start to really identify Mm -hmm. who our self is and we're choosing and we're able to deal with our attachment wound and we're able to Mm -hmm. recognize our own authentic Mm -hmm. representation of self suddenly how much of these relationships are surplus to requirements because they were so many they were connected because of a manager or they were connected mm-hmm. because of a firefighter or they were connected to kind of like mask all of it. Right. Like, and, yeah. and, and I think that, I think that it's like the perfect storm. Mm-hmm. We have that hormonal effect. We have that just exhaustion and fatigue that comes with all of that. Yeah. And we have this awareness of self that goes, I'm actually, I'm okay with, you know, five really good friends that I can rely yeah. on. And they may not even be friends with each other. And that's actually awesome. I, I'm actually time poor and energy poor. I can't deal with big groups. Of, like that's definitely a thing that I've noticed. I, oh. in the last few years, cannot deal with parties and things. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. can't. Um, give me a good meaty conversation with one person like yeah. this yes I'm I'm energized for the day like yeah me too. my poor clients for this afternoon they are just going to be like hammered because they're going to get like <laughs> <laughs> top notch beer today right like they're going to get me like fired up 
if I was going to have to go and mingle in a thing this morning, like some business oh, oh, like networking. I can't yeah gross I can't mm. even deal with the word it just it's one thing mm. academia you've got to be really good at it and I'm just so not <laughs> anyway it's a whole other story um we've just got to we I think we get to this point where we choose we have to make choices we have to make choices that serve us and yeah. yes when we had little people if we had little people having the village and creating the village because we didn't have the village around yes. us we bring them together Mm-hmm. Well, once our people are bigger and we don't like that village is surplus to requirements and we're all knackered and we're all, and I think I hate to mention the C word, but COVID I think really has played into yes. this. I think that, I think that it created certainly my own personal experience. It created an opportunity to go, I don't need to do this anymore. Yeah. In fact, yeah, in fact, natural... picking it all back up again is just a really dumb idea. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like my my perimenopausal thing hit like within that time, and I got to hermit, and I actually was like, oh, kind of like this. The only, the, yeah. you know, I got to work, I got to see my clients, I mm-hmm. got to, you know, I so got that interaction. Yeah, got got what I like. That was great. That gets yes. me going all the way through those two years in Victoria. Yeah. But um, all the other stuff, like quite ex- not necessary and I think I try to give permission to women that that is whatever they need it to be because mm. for some women it's not they still want that whole you oh, know I do not the big gathering and like they sound like hens in a like if they're in a cafe they like they sound like clucking hens it's just like <laughs> and I walk in and I'm like oh this is not these are not my people's <laughs> um, I'll be the person at the next table but I'm so noise sensitive like I I really am finding like I'm just sensitive to so many more things. I'll have my little loop earplugs in, so mm-hmm. I actually can't hear the clucking of the yeah. hands, and I'm quite happy in my little bubble. Yeah. But I I have definitely had moments where I've felt lately like, have I gone too far? Have I gone too much into hermit mode? But I, because I worked all through COVID, because I was essential, like I was in aged care, so I was an essential worker, so I didn't get any of that kind of disconnection. Mm-hmm. But I also I just will not do things that I feel like I have to anymore. And so that just means mostly, I mean, my own little happy place in this room, working away, designing things and and perfectly happy, having these conversations which fulfill Mm -hmm. that, you know, curiosity and learn a part of me that, you know, likes to be continually kind of challenged and all of those things. Mm -hmm. But I have no desire to Mm -mm. be. Mm So it's it's and and I think that that's a personal thing. Like at mm. the point at which it becomes detrimental. I know. So one of the like in the back of my mind is a lot of the mm. research around lonely loneliness. Yes. Um, and we know that that's actually like having people around us and having strong connections and friendships is really buffering for our yes. Like I'm talking about all aspects of our health. So when I use mm. the word health, I mean a whole person health. Yes. Um, but I'm I'm also thinking very specifically around protective around things like dementia and. Um, and, and I'm aware that I come from a dynamic where, um, my parents didn't, they emigrated as well. Mm -hmm. So they, when they returned to the UK, they didn't have their big friendship group that they Mm -hmm. used to have when, Mm -hmm. when I was growing up. Yeah. So I grew up in a, in a space that didn't, we didn't have lots of family gatherings that were family friends and, Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. Um, so I'm aware that that's part of my pattern, but it probably means that I've just if I if I wanted it, I think I would go get it. So I think it's. Yeah. I mean, what I'm trying to say is essentially it's individual, and as long mm. as it doesn't tip into the place of, um, I am isolate. I am feeling isolated. Yes. Yeah. And alone. Yeah. That's different to, um, 
yeah, actually I had all of this and it was a lot of surplus to requirement stuff mm. and it wasn't surfing me. Yeah. Um, there's a guy and I've been racking my brains trying to remember his name. Um, he's an English journalist that wrote for The Observer and then has written a couple of books. I will, re- I will remember his name, but he mm-hmm. talks about time as being our finite resource. Mm. Um, so he used to write about productivity and efficiency mm-hmm. um, and uh, and had tried all the hacks, right? Like that yes. was his whole thing. Oh, I, I, his name that. is on the tip of my head. He's Me not Johan Hari. It's another guy. No, no. And I've got his book somewhere. He's been on the imperfect. Yeah. He has. We he about. really has. Um, <sighs> and it, it's something yeah. that, yeah, we'll find it. It'll come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but this idea that, you know, ultimately there are going to be far more things that we want to do with our time yes. than we will ever have time to do. To do. Mm-hmm. We need to be really all over saying no to the things that we don't want to do. That, that should be easy. I mean, I know that we find that difficult because we're still all like, yes, yes, I'll do mm. that thing. And then we People resent it and we go anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also recognizing that every time we are making a choice to do a thing. So me choosing to do a PhD, right? I, I've wanted to do it for 20 years. Mm-hmm. I've wanted to do this specific PhD for seven years, right? Yeah. Like saying yes to that meant saying no to, to a whole of bunch of things. things. Yeah. And I keep reminding my partner when he's like, we never do anything. And I'm like, yep, because I said no to that when I said yes to this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, you know, the, the fury part of me, the perimenopausal, I sacrificed everything in order to do the thing. Yes, that I so therefore done. I get me. Yes. So I'm yeah. having this now. Don't even yep. try and <laughs> test me. <laughs> I will bite you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally. No, not literally. Um, not literally. Uh, but we need we need to be really clear and back ourselves, right? Yes. We be be very mindful. And so, if we're thinking about what the purpose is of of I guess, um, I guess therapy broadly mm-hmm. is about bringing someone back into their in the present self as much yes. as possible. Yeah. Right. And it's being safe to be present, Mm -hmm. right? And we can only make those informed, wise, sensible choices considering from from that space. Yeah. -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think as you're talking, actually, a couple of things are coming to my mind. My dad was a very, very hermit-like creature, Mm -hmm. very Mm -hmm. hermit-like. And I see a lot of my, like, I'm very, yeah, self-contained. I don't really need too much out of myself. And that's not that. (laughs) hyper independence it's just like I'm happy in my own space I like to tootle around but thank you for the reminder that it is also something that I've seen a parent do where yeah there's no um strong connections outside because I know that all of the happiness studies what's the number one Mm -hmm. yeah driver of happiness is connection so yeah yeah um so thank you for the reminder I am wondering when you were talking about I want to come back to your PhD because there's a part Mm -hmm. of me I have always absolutely loved boxing and Mm -hmm. particularly Mm -hmm. when I've been going through really trying times in my life where there's a lot of that stuff coming to the surface where I feel like I've got lots of big emotion and earlier on back back looking at my 20 hyper depend hyper independent you know don't I can touch me I can do everything myself I look back at my beautiful husband and we've known each other since I was 21 and I just think far out man he's been a patient 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 person (laughs) um but I look back at her and again and again in my life when things were getting stressful I would turn to that really 
like mm. I want to just hit something because if mm-hmm. I didn't have that channel, I found that I would get disproportionately angry. And now I understand mm. that I had lots of anger and resentment under the surface and then, you know, the, the present time just triggers mm. that way mm. back then. All of the things, yeah. So, so what are you finding with the with the cardio? Yeah, boxing? with the boxing. What's yeah, the... so it's um, it's early. So we're early in mm-hmm. the process. So we haven't recruited people for the uh, trial mm-hmm. yet. But the thinking and the research that exists so far in the literature is that yes, anger is a part of um, is a potential pathway. Like, and and there's this whole thing around boxing being a male dominated mm-hmm. thing it's not ex- but it's you know historically not been acceptable for women mm-hmm. to do it mm-hmm. in the same way as it's not acceptable for women to be angry mm-hmm. um and i think that that kind of rage that comes out that is more obvious slash present potentially in our perimenopausal times i think that it's calling us to anger is a is essentially the same same pathway of our nervous system as anxiety. It's an upregulation of our nervous system, mm-hmm. except that for some people, anxiety might look like I need to um that away, like mm-hmm. I need to lie on a mat mm-hmm. or meditate or do a thing. Yes, and there's there's spaces and places. Absolutely, there's a time and a place. Mm-hmm. But for me, anger is asking for movement. It's movement, asking for yeah. <clears throat> it, it's saying do something with me. And if yeah. we can, as um oh my goodness, names today, a nightmare, <laughs> two sisters that wrote a book about stress and the bodily responses to stress, mm, completing the stress cycle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, amazing sisters. Um, but this this idea of completing this the stress cycle, if we, if we can allow it to be moved out of our body, yes. it's great. And, and, and I had a curiosity about this from uh, back in 2015, I'm getting my years right. I'd um my second husband died in an ocean swim and it's complicated oh, whole backstory goodness. thing. But um very sudden and messy and traumatic and all the things. Yeah. Um and when I got to a place where I could be left alone and not cry permanently, yeah. I yeah. took myself, my mum and dad came over for the UK from the UK and they mm-hmm. looked after the kids and I went to um a retreat up in Queensland called mm. Gwingana mm. um and I did th- it was just amazing it was the best yeah. money that I ever spent that I didn't have but I spent it anyway yeah. kind of time and um I went by myself and I did three days three nights there four days and one of the things that I found so difficult is that they kind of drip feed the itinerary to you <laughs> and so you go to bed knowing that the first thing that's on offer is tai chi as the sun rises mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you can join them for an apple cider vinegar shot and then they mm-hmm. will just let you know what the next three mm-hmm. options are mm-hmm. and every time because again i have a plan apart i was gonna say said, the control freaking so, me is already i i don't know what of those three things because they would give you like a, a low energy one a high energy one and then a like random one yeah at each juncture which was like three times a day and i was like well, I need to know what the other options are for the rest of the day to know what to choose for now. And they're like, that's not really the purpose of this year. The purpose is that you tune into what your body wants you to do right now. And I'm like, I don't really know because I'm not in my body because I am like all over the place. They're like, well, what do you feel like? Of these three things, what do you feel like? And every single time I kept choosing the high energy thing. Mm -hmm. 
And I said to one of them, I'm like, I'm freaking out because I came here because I really, I'm worried about my cortisol levels. I've not Mm -hmm. been eating properly. I've slept Mm -hmm. on the couch Mm -hmm. for six months. I'm a wreck, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, And they're like, well, sometimes you just need to move that. Like if that's what your body is telling you, just trust it and do the thing. Yeah. And so that was my first like re- like lived experience of actually this feels good. I hate spin, hate spin classes, right? Like I'd done a couple. I was down with the idea that it should be a good thing for me. So not a good thing. But when I had that yeah. as an option with, I don't even know what the low energy one was. And yeah. the other thing was like some weird dancey thing. And I'm like, nah, I can't do that. <laughs> like not that would just be like a whole triggering experience because <laughs> I've got two left feet. Um, oh, well, spin it is. And I was like, this is not me. Like, but I needed, I just needed to move it. So, yeah. So it's about, you know, there's great research, Bessel van der Kolk's work around um, trauma informed yoga. There's some mm. great trauma research around supporting women with that more mind body approaches. Mm-hmm. What we don't have is a lot of research around moderate, vis- moderate vigorous physical activity physical forms activity. for yeah. this cohort. Yeah. yeah. It yeah, makes so much why. sense to me. Like if I, if I think back to what is emotion, it's just a, it, it's a messenger. And to me, what I've done my entire life because that anger has felt dangerous is push it down, push it down, push it down, push it down. And the more that I've allowed it to be what it is and actually teach myself that it's safe to be in a body that's feeling anger, um, but also to channel it, that, yeah. that has felt immensely powerful and has yes. made me less scared to be in my body because what I didn't realize is all those years that I spent living from my neck up in my safety zone in my control everything you know they're seeking safety by planning 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 and managing everything like the you know beehive lady um what I didn't realize is that if I couldn't be in my body I also couldn't be connected to myself with a capital s yeah and because you're not present not present at all because You're because we have to be in our backwards. body our body is that exists right now mm-hmm. the sensations that we feel right now is the only place where we are here yeah today like so often i will say in session and what are you feeling in your body right this second when you mm-hmm. tell me about that mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that brings them right, right back, back here. here you can't be anywhere else yeah right we can remember what it was like to feel sick around this thing or we can yes. remember that emotion right mm. but what is what is happening right now, right now brings you back into your in the present self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I'm here. And, I'm and you know, one of the things that boxing is brilliant at is that if you're going to do a drill, right. And we're not talking in a ring. That's not the purpose no. of this kind of research. It's, it's cardio boxing to try and make it as physical activity based as possible, as yes. accessible as possible. Um, uh, you have to be present to land those drills properly. And mm. most people that love boxing um, love the sound of getting nailing the punches. Nailing um, the perfect landing yeah, when yeah, a trainer that, right, knows. Left, right, yeah. left, right, yeah. left. Like it's great, right? So like good. in the bang, bang. Like uh-huh, you just, uh-huh. if you can get that right. Especially if you get one of here. those. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> sorry, everybody's earbuds. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> bang. Yeah, we have to be here to do that. So there's yeah. something. So I'm really fascinated around the pathways and what's yeah. If oh, anybody, I can't wait yeah, to, I should. Yeah, there'll be. Can't wait to hear I'll be more. recruiting people. I've yeah, got yeah. qualitative studies coming up. First of mm-hmm. all, that will be around getting victim survivors' experiences. So I want not their experiences of their abuse because that's a 
that's potentially triggering and that's not helpful but about if we were going to create this kind of a program what do they think about it what would they want to be included what are some of the considerations that would make it feel safer Um, so for example having a female instructor or having a therapeutic support person in the space just Mm -hmm. in case it was Mm -hmm. something that came up and they wanted to talk it through you know so we we want it to be co-designed and collaborative as much as possible so that victim survivor voices are centered and heard Mm. um and they're part of the creation of the intervention so whilst Mm. i have this idea of what this intervention looks like i want i want women's input so that will i will need people at that stage and then i would love people to like obviously sign up and do this thing um which will be so exciting fascinating 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 and thank you for uh, i know this is just my personal thank you but thank you for your innate understanding of the safety of the type of work that you do versus Mm -hmm. what we've grown and we haven't even gotten to that actually we're going to have to reconnect (laughs) because one of the things that we talked about was the disproportionate amount of diagnosis of mental health issues in women so we'll do that in another episode Mm -hmm. um but thank you for keeping yeah what women really need at the forefront of your work Mm -hmm. rather than yeah following the uh, plug and play medical model which i completely agree is not particularly helpful and certainly not empowering not empowering to hear what the research shows me too i feel a bit sick and excited all at the same time well i know that you will absolutely nail it tomorrow you have been a delight to reconnect with um i know that this rich conversation will have so many aha moments for our audience and i would love to have you back because we've got a whole sheet topics that we didn't (laughs) even talk about and anyway thank you so much thea have a beautiful world menopause day (gasps) and you too happy world (laughs) menopause day thank you thank you thank (laughs) Thank you you. (laughs) bye bye thanks so much for listening into today's episode If you love the show, as I hope you do, please take the time to subscribe on your favorite pod listening platform and rate and review. And for bonus points, if you have a friend or someone who popped to mind as you were listening to this episode, why not hit the share link wherever you're listening and send them a little love bomb. Like, listen to this. Did you know this is normal? I really, really, really would love to get these beautiful stories into the hearts and ears and minds of so many more midlife mavens and your help spreading the love is truly, truly appreciated. Thank you so much. I'm Kylie Patchett, your host, and have a spectacular day.